This is Psychotronicast. I'm Alec Berg. The talent's Derek Estes, I believe. <laughs> I don't know why I stuttered <laughs> when I said like. And you are. I don't know the talent. Anywho, if you fucking listened to this before, you know what we're on and what we do and how to get to us. So there it is. All right, Derek, what the hell are you getting us into? All right, we are getting into one of the most insane movies that we have covered. Um, this movie's level of insanity would probably be closest to Emmanuel in America. Okay, now you've got me. Yeah, uh, so we're going to watch Kurt McDowell's uh, 1975 film, Thundercrack. Uh, he made with uh, the collaboration of George Couture. George Couture, sorry. Uh, and uh, this movie has a little bit of everything. It kind of has so much of everything you kind of can't even classify this movie. It is part underground film uh it is part hardcore porn it is part gothic horror film uh it's part melodrama you almost don't even understand how all these things fit together um it's kind of sounds like when we watched the visitor that was one of our previous podcasts where it's every kind of movie rolled into one it is similar to that the only difference is that this one <laughs> this movie is Oh, God, I never would have thought I could say this. This movie's more cohesive. What? Um, <laughs> only because, like, you... Yeah, it is it is total insanity See, in so many ways that we'll I can only talk about after we've actually watched it. Okay, because um, cohesive and Kuchar doesn't mix. You no. turned me on to uh, Free. It's on YouTube. 90-minute documentary that was really well done uh, about the Kuchar brothers. Yeah. And them coming up and... Everything that they did, and a lot of the people that commented on their film saying, like, yeah, so you don't really know what's going on. There's no, like, ABC with them. No, it's, or any of it's really, like, I think uh, their movies, they, so they made movies um, as movie buffs. But they're not, like, the, the difference between now, like, where every filmmaker is, like, a, you know, film school nerd, and they're, they're referencing things... They would take uh, the elements. They would take elements, and then they would like somehow like siphon off these pure parts of it, and then do something totally crazy with it. But it still, is held together magically uh, in this net of uh, understanding of the deeper concepts of genre. I don't know. This sounds really pretentious, but it's the closest thing I could really describe to the experience of the watching the movies. Also, say these movies have some of the most insane dialogue. Ever, uh, George Kuchar wrote the dialogue. He stars in it, and um, there are just like these run-on lines that you just you think that like you get to a point, but then it makes another point, and then another point, and it just keeps rolling into insanity. Um, uh, yeah, I, I don't know much else I should say starting into it. I think there's a lot that we're gonna have to talk about after we watch it. Definitely, um, but yeah, this is a movie I've I've been a big fan of for a long time, and I've been waiting to find a way to watch this. Good, um, and the this this, this is makes it. Sense. Yeah. So before we get cracking into the movie, um, watching the documentary that you sent to me, uh, the documentary is called "It Came from Kuchar," and it's available on YouTube. It's free. It's definitely worth it. It might even still be. On, it was so on much. Netflix for a while oh, too. Good. They have so many good. Awesome, like they're they're pulling all these clips. I still haven't seen one of their feature length films, but I've seen plenty of clips now. Yeah, most and, of them are uh, pretty short too, which oh, is good are. because you can you can, bang them out. Yeah, you can bang out. I think even like since the Flesh of Poids is maybe like thirty minutes. 
No uh, shit. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. So like, I mean, you can like, you could watch all of these if we had time. Uh, we could watch a lot of them. This movie is not thirty minutes, but uh, <laughs> of course it isn't. Yeah. But yeah, we are. Yeah. But we're gonna jump in. One of the best titles that I loved from one of their movies was uh, "Hold Me While I'm Naked." Oh yeah. And then you were talking to me earlier tonight about your personal favorite of theirs. I love. Well, I love. The Devil's Cleavage a lot. I love that it's title. Fucking amazing. That movie. That movie too has like for the me dialogue the devil is cleavage. literally just like makes your like your head explodes. It's almost like it's so crazy. I, mean, I would also uh, recommend anyone who has not seen this movie before, um, you know, watch it with um, friends that maybe can handle things getting really insane. If you like John Waters films, like that would really help. And I'd also say it would really help to get a little stoned. Uh, I think when this movie was originally like being watched in San Francisco in the seventies, uh, everyone was fucking blazed. So love it. I I definitely think this is a, a real good stoner. Uh-huh. What the fuck am I watching? Yes, giggle movie. And John Waters is in the documentary mm-hmm. uh, looking for it. It came from Kuchar. He's like a documentary whore these days. He's really good at it. though. He's really good. I mean, if you want a talking head yeah. in a movie or a documentary about film. John Waters, give that man a call. Oh, yeah. Um, And also, I didn't know anything about these two brothers, and maybe you don't either, and maybe you won't see this movie, and you just want to hear our voices and just be lost completely in our conversation. But uh, if you're a cinephile like we are, and you like making stupid little short films like we do... Four Corpses in Great Portland and Laced. One year anniversary <laughs> coming up uh, in July. It, that's if you're listening to this in 2018. Um, that's what they did. Every one of their films has no budget to the point that they're well. At least George is dead now. Yeah, I think I think both of them passed away. Okay, so um, but they were making films until they died. Oh yeah, and one of them had an acting school or no, like a filmmaking. School, well, yeah, or at least uh, taught George at taught at uh, the San Francisco. Uh, fuck, I should know this. Um, but yeah, you know, he he taught film for for years, like for like forty years. Yeah. Um, and actually, he taught uh, the director of this film, uh, Kurt McDowell. Uh, Kurt McDowell, his other films, and it's really okay. I, I cannot stress enough. Uh, please support Synops Films. Uh, they spent years uh, restoring. This movie, and then in the the disc they put together, they uh, added a lot of Kurt's short films. Mm-hmm. Loads is probably the standout. Um, That's the short film. It is a short film, and it's it's really kind of it's amazing in a lot of ways. Uh, if we had the time, I would say we could watch all of them just do a whole like just blow it all out. It would also be a series in itself. But um, yeah, I would definitely check out this disc. This disc also has that documentary, the It Came From Kuchar's on Oh, it does. So it's almost a one-stop shop. So Well, shit, um, pick this up. Uh, this is Thundercrack, and it's made by who? Uh, Synops put it out. And they, they do beautiful, loving... They did the uh, recent uh, restoration of Suspiria. Um, and it's like a one-man operation, and he does like amazing work. Yeah. Um, real passion project shit. So. And another thing about the Kuchar's... Um, after watching like two minutes of the documentary, you fall in love with these guys. Mm-hmm. They're such characters. They're from I would say they're both from the Bronx. It's like no shit. They're mm-hmm. brothers and they're twins. They're also twins, and they all so one looks crazy homeless. Yeah, and the other one just kind of looks homeless. Yeah, and they're both kooky as fuck. And I love the whoever um, shot the documentary 
put both brothers in separate rooms and had them tell the same stories, which they're both telling the right way. Like they're both like veering on on the, on the same course, like saying the facts, and nobody's really lying. All the details are the same, mm-hmm. but their perception of what happened and how they took it is completely different from each other, and how they uh, just just gauge and channel life. They're they're they, yeah, it's weird. They're they're identical twins, and they make movies and they do that, but they're like totally different people. And that's why I think they, they veered off and they each started doing their own films. Yeah, so. because they made films together for a while and then they separated at some point and then just went yeah, on their own sixties and then they Oh that yeah. that wow they didn't last long together. Yeah so I mean they did it for a few years and then but that was when because uh, Mike is the 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 director of Sins of the Flesh of Poids, which is another masterpiece. It's really, really good. Uh, and that was you know and I think they make a good point in that documentary. I, I do think that uh, there is stuff in that movie that shows up in Roger Vadim's Barbarella like a couple of years later. So a lot of people, it's it's hard to really uh, get a grasp on what the underground film scene was at that point in the 60s. Um, and that's one of the things the documentary kind of touches on a little bit. But you see, um, I mean, I, I just think about things like what Andy Warhol was doing. I, I, initially, when he was doing a lot more of the art stuff, where it was just like Empire was eight hours in the Empire State Building or uh, Karis, and they were much more um, formalist in a lot of ways. And then as Warhol started, especially when Paul Morrissey started joining Warhol's film sets, they started adding all of these other campy elements in a lot of the uh, stuff that make those movies as rough and as like like irritating as they can be for a lot of people, uh, he made them a lot more interesting and a lot more fun. Yeah, um, I really love a lot of the Warhol films. I mean, there's some that are really tough for me, but I think uh, you know I'm also kind of biased because you know watching Chelsea Girls, that movie's like three hours long, but it's like. The people in it are like I I, I know those people because I've read the books. I'm like oh, and then there's like Nico talking to, you know, so you know in the kitchen. It's like yeah, the, that adds an element. And then there's the style of the film and there's what's going on and how it's like this crazy document of what was happening in this like cool hipster scene in 1966 in New York, you know, and and uh, all the people like the Warhol superstars all became at least minorly in this the Warhol universe they became superstars they or in a Velvet Underground song yeah exactly <laughs> so I think uh, you know there's a lot of other context that adds to the enjoyment of those movies um, I do think the Kuchar brothers I think you maybe with uh, you know if you like films if you like especially you know kind of this kind of homegrown kooky Craziness. I think their their movies have a lot of charm. I, uh, they're very minimalist, or they're very uh, pragmatic. I guess they had no budgets, but what they do is really cute. And mm-hmm. uh, sometimes, actually, like you know, like if you you could look at these movies and be like, oh, they're bad. But I think that more than a lot of movies that we kind of can champion that are uh, you know on the fringe, I think their movies do have moments that. Uh, can be very heartfelt and kind of touching. And I think that's, you know, one of those weird things about their movies that will do that. And I, I can't remember a lot of scenes doing that necessarily in Thundercrack. Uh, okay. But Thundercrack, because, uh, you know, it's Kurt McDowell, but there's, there are, this crossover. It's definitely a collaborative film. It's like performance, where it's like half Donald Camel and half Nicholas Rogue. Uh, and it all, it all, works beautifully. Well, I'm, I'm thinking of a, a quote from John Waters from that It Came From Kuchar documentary 
to to end it on the Warhol scene was he said Warhol films were about nothing. Kuchard films were about everything. Mm-hmm. So he also says he talks about like the stars of uh, these films. It's God, we yeah. There's a lot to talk about. We'll have to save for later. But uh, he says you know like the Warhol superstars were like almost too you know like just beautiful and glamorous. You know, whereas like they would just find like their friend's mom to put yeah. in projects, and they're like, and George would also do the makeup. And he would be uh, listed as, like, Mr. Dominic. I think it was his, like... Yes, you're right. Name. I remember that And the he does the makeup. So this is also... So it is a Kurt McDowell film, and he's the director. But George Kuchar wrote it. Uh, he stars in it, and he did the hair and makeup. And so you get... So if you love the Kuchar Brothers films, I'm just excited. Yeah, you, you already love these movies. Uh, you the have insane to love these eyebrows that he draws okay. are like so next level crazy. And it's funny because I walk around, even tonight, I was at the fucking grocery store. And one of the women working there, because it's like big eyebrows are really big right now, and I love how insane they get right now. They look like total straight up Kuchar, insane, like yeah. just drawn out. It's like Groucho Marx's fucking mustache. Yeah. It's so nuts. Is that where. Uh, John Waters got the makeup idea for Divine or Divine got the makeup idea for Divine? There might have been some crossover. I think it was uh, as far as Divine's makeup I think it was uh, David Lockery who was in a lot of those movies he had the uh, big mustache and the crazy hair as well. Uh, I think he was, if I'm remembering correctly the person who influenced Divine to take the drag to that level of like crazy scary uh, because you know, drag for a long time, it was just mostly like guys just trying to be pretty. Yeah. And what is kind of that magic twist in that is that um, you know some men or you know transsexuals, like, I think that can pass as women. I think about like to go back to the Warhol superstars, like Candy Darling, who was beautiful and just really could pass as as a woman and would be a very beautiful woman. Uh, that was kind of where things had been, but I think uh, owning the freak element of it yeah. and amplifying it added a level. It was like it was like this hidden power that uh, drag queens hadn't hadn't captured yet. I it's think like that, a rock um, star. It is. So I think that uh, Divine, um, with the makeup and also with her size. Mm-hmm. Was able to just be like, look, I weigh 300 pounds and I'm going to have a fucking shaved head with eyebrows that go back to the back of my head and I'm going to do this. And you're like, okay, you're God. Yeah. Like, you're just literally like, you are like, you, you are so next level that we just cannot stop staring at you and we need to know what is going on. And you're going to eat a fucking dog turd. Yeah, eat shit. Yeah. So, it's like, you can't really beat that. But I, I, I think that there, there could have been some crossover, because, I mean, those people were all seeing these movies, too. Um, so, I know, like, John Waters would come up from Baltimore, and I know he'd drag Divine to these movies. That's a whole nother... Yeah, right. I love, like... But I will say, uh, on a total tangent, because uh, John Waters would love to... He, they would all take speed and go watch movies. Sounds... And he so was like, fun. it would take speed and watch like Bergman movies. But I remember uh, he <laughs> took uh, Divine to go see Ingmar Bergman's uh, The Hour of the Wolf, which is funny because I yeah. normally have the poster up on my wall, but it's not up right now because I didn't want to scare my grandmother when she stayed with me a week ago. Uh, but Divine had a freak out and it's like, I don't ever want to watch movies with poor people in it. They all have to be beautiful. <laughs> um, yeah, it was great. I, oh man. 
I would pay so much money to do Speed with John Waters and go to the movies. Oh my god, in the 60s and 70s? Forget so about fun. it. And what is that speed like? I guess that's a whole other podcast. Well, yeah, that is. And that you can if you watch Chelsea Girls, you see how they how they were taking their speed. Shit. They were injecting it. Ooh, whoa. I guess we should interject with this movie. Yeah. We will be back, and we will talk about this uh, in the future with the power of editing. Here we go. Here we go. And just like that, we are back. We stayed up until the wee hours of the morning trying to watch Thundercrack. And I... The Thundercrack of Dawn. Oh, fuck. That nice. And it's it just couldn't be done. Now I know why. It's 160 minutes. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, I, I kept that little little tidbit out. Well, you yeah. had like a little teaser where you're talking about Kuchar movies. Like, some of them are 30 minutes long a piece, but this one isn't. <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay. And I just thought, like, oh, it's a feature length. No, it's an epic. <laughs> it is an epic. Uh, but it is epic. Yeah, this movie... Like, I was kind of saying this movie has everything, and that is also, like, this movie... Yeah, it is an epic. It has a fucking ten minute intermission. <laughs> That's <laughs> in crazy. the middle of it. Um, it has everything. Um, I guess like I don't even know where to really begin. I mean, we can kind of jump in with, I guess, giving a, a little bit of a setup with the the characters. So um, it's uh, it's a dark and stormy night. Um, and Very stormy. You have, and I will say, like I've never remembered any of the characters' names, no. but I can identify them by like their deal. So first, you have like the the older woman uh, who's in her house. She's just getting totally obliterated. She's like just getting so wasted. And you listen to the radio about like the big storm coming in, and she's just like talking to herself and just being crazy. And then you start seeing um, all the people out on the road and you see George Kuchar and he's driving. He kind of like is talking about like being in a circus and the gorillas and you know, all this shit. And this is going to later come back, but he's going to literally, literally take a dip from the movie for about an hour and a half. (laughs) I know. I just as I was forgetting that he was in it because every single man in this film has a mustache. Oh yeah. So it's hard it's like hard to differentiate which mustache you're looking at, but I you, George has a distinctive voice and I'm like, "Oh, I haven't heard George's voice in a while." Oh yeah. And now I know why. He's like gone for 90 yeah, he minutes. Yeah, dips. And then we start meeting everybody else. So you have um there are two girls who are like picking up a hitchhiker, a guy, and that this whole scene just gets so crazy. Uh, off the bat just because of the dialogue is so nuts and this movie does this thing part of it's the dialogue and it's like George Kuchar's kind of sense of humor but things will set up jokes and uh, lines will keep going on and on like there's just kind of a throwaway line where the main kind of tough girl of the two tells the blonde girl she's with to get her lily white butt out of the car and help this hitchhiker get his shit in. And it's just like, oh, Lily White butt. But they literally, they take that and then keep rolling with it. So she's, you know, talking to the guy, the hitchhiker outside, and he's like, oh, what's with this Lily White butt? And she's like, well, it wasn't Lily White when I was in Tucson. It, it was, was red. <laughs> and as soon as they get back in the car, the... The, the her friend driving which is like did you talk about her red butt <laughs> it's like right off the bat and the red butt comes up again later in the film apparently she fucked a cactus yeah so. yeah so there's a story behind all of that and these things keep happening um in these movies and it just it's it's so kind of like both ridiculous and also so um just it's just like witty in a way that it just it 
that's where a lot of the humor comes from in this movie where you're like I can't even believe where you're going with this yeah like, it's like everything goes everything's stretched to some like surreal level of insanity and it yeah it just keeps going so then you have um, these two other guys um, one guy I think his truck broke down and he's getting a ride with another dude who his uh, wife was the heiress to some girdle factory and he's been really oh that's right um, I forgot about this yeah. shit already so he's been you know dealing with all of this but he's trying to have sex with the guy that he picked up but then the way they deal with all of the the sex in this movie is really funny because the guy is kind of like he's like, oh, I don't know, I I give it, I don't take it, you know. But then it's like he's not really like freaked out at all. This guy is trying to get in his pants. Yeah. Um, and it just like this little dialogue where, uh, you know, he's like kind of feeling the guy up in his car, and then they get kind of pulled over by this woman who appears, and she is the wife of a country rock star, <laughs> and um, and there's all this like just insane dialogue where she just calls the one guy in the passenger seat like a wet noodle and he's like he's not a wet noodle I guarantee you that <laughs> but then they start talking about this the whole line about like uh, I can't remember what he says to instigate it but she says you sound like a beatnik and he's like well what do you have against beatniks and she's <laughs> like they're bongo drums for one and just like the, these throwaway lines just keep coming um, yeah the dialogue I was Impressed both by the running time, but also how many words were in the script. Mm. Um, doing my little internet deep dive. Yeah. Uh, apparently, um, George wrote this entire film. Uh, it was 192 pages front to back, handwritten. Oh and he wrote the movie while he was living at a YMCA in Oklahoma. <laughs> so That's amazing. That must have been when he was doing his um, like early uh, Weather Diary type stuff. Because okay. he would go to Oklahoma to go watch the storms, and you know why not stay at the Y? Yeah, that's create your own storms. But there is <laughs> like the yeah the dialogue it just keeps going on and on, and it's so like it, it would you would almost think in some ways that something like this would be almost improvised or be crazy. But then you start yeah. realizing how dialed it really is. Yeah, like all the screws are are tight. But then you have these scenes that go on forever, and the main woman that we'll get back to in just a second. Uh, like, she has these crazy monologues that go on and on. She's so great. And it's just, like, these uncut scenes. It's just, like, they just roll the camera and, uh, you know, and she just, like, keeps delivering these, like, insane soliloquies. Uh, it's it's really nuts. Um, so they end up, the woman who has the husband, who's the rock star or whatever, she decides to try to call for help. She goes up to the farmhouse. And that's when uh, she... Like, knocks on the door, and it sends the woman, the older woman, into, like, a crazy fit. She's like, oh, my God, why would someone come knocking on my, my door? My face without- isn't oh. on. <laughs> yeah. So she tries to get herself ready as fast as she can. Doesn't play out. Uh, no. That's where you see, like, the the trademark eyebrows being done. The eyebrows. And then the lipstick over the lip line. Just, and it turns, it gives it, her like, a lipstick mustache. Yeah. And but then, then, yeah, she, like, starts puking because she's so drunk, too. She's like, I'm so, I'm too drunk to have a guest. <laughs> so yeah. then she tries, to, she induces vomiting, but then her wig falls off into the toilet, and she pukes on the wig, but then she puts it back on her head. And then she answers the door. And I'm like, I wonder if they're even going to touch... On that, and then right off the bat, she's like, what's wrong with your hair? Are you sick? <laughs> and I'm like, okay, cool. Everyone knows it. This woman is crazy, but 
uh, she didn't know she was having house guests, and the rest of the movie turns into a party at the pad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love this actress. I was uh, looking some more, um, her name's Mary and something, but uh, looking more into her thing is, uh, I guess Marion was literally that drunk at the premiere of this movie that she spent the whole, like, while the film was airing, like, she was on the toilet puking. So that really That's happened. beautiful. She also toured with this movie. She had the only existing 60 millimeter touring print, and she would tour the country with um, George, who, or, no, 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 who directed this film? Oh, uh, Kurt McDowell. Okay, so her and Kurt McDowell would tour with this film, and she said she hated it because all the reels weighed 30 pounds a piece. Yeah. So she would have to lug it around. Well, apparently there's also, uh, with this movie in the way that, I think there were like five different cuts and prints of this movie, but yeah. they were all like confiscated in different ways. Like the one we watched um, is the one we have now, but uh, yeah, I think one was... I think one was either confiscated by the Canadian or by the U.S. Like, um, I don't know. It was one of them was seized. I think there was some like overseas, but I think they, they lost a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we only have this one this one cut, but I can't imagine. Well, I had some fans. Uh, Buck Henry, oh, the yeah. co-creator of Get Smart and The Graduate, mm-hmm. um, used his clout to have a screening of this film at the L.A. Film Festival. It's the only X-rated film to be in it. And it became legendary for all the walkouts. <laughs> I don't know what Buck Henry was thinking. It was like, my I know Hollywood. I've got the finger on the pulse. These people need to know. And then, yeah, he was just too, too abstract or too, yeah, too crazy yeah. for his L.A. crowd. But I love that Buck Henry was like, oh, Thundercrack? Uh, I yeah. love it. This I love it. it so much that I have to screen this at this... <laughs> Very prestigious film festival where all my colleagues go. <laughs> I wonder if that amazing. kind of put him in the bag. I mean, after screening this film, what did he do after that? It'd be well, kind of interesting. I know. Well, he, it's funny because he talks about um, that because he's in that documentary that came from Kuchar, mm-hmm. and he talks about that in like these movies. But he also was one of those people going to the storefront, you know, like screenings and happenings where they're watching all these experimental Good for him. films. So I'm sure for him, he was like, "Oh, this is I mean, this is the Gone with the Wind of, yes. of experimental films." <laughs> Um, but so then um, eventually all, all the, the guys they all end up showing up at the house and uh, the main woman she's like oh just you know everybody you need to dry off and get out of these clothes but make sure you go down the hall and use the last room to go change and I'll like get dinner ready or whatever so you have this like extended scene where she does the total Norman Bates, and she's in the other room spying um, through little like peepholes that are positioned right behind a portrait of George Washington. Oh and uh, one by one, everyone goes in this room, which apparently you find out was her son's room, but it's full of like sex toys and erotic artifacts. And everyone, one by one, they all get turned on, and they all end up. Um, like jerking off or having sex in the room while she's watching and fucking herself with a peeled cucumber. Yes. <laughs> and this is like the first, just yeah, when it, we really dip into the hardcore sex. And you see just about everything. I mean, you've, uh, you have one guy who uses a penis pump. Uh, you have uh, the, the blow up doll. Oh, yeah, the blow up doll. And the guy who uses the blow up doll and fucks himself uh, with a dildo. Yeah. Uh, you the, have the giant dildo vibrator. Oh yeah, a giant dildo w- vibrator. And then the other two 
couples, they fuck. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so you're you're watching all of this, but then the last guy who's fucking himself in the ass and the fucking thing, he hears her like she knocks the picture off the wall, and he's like, he calls her out, and he's just like, you know, you're in there watching me, like you're not making dinner, and you're lying. You have the you know, the nerve to hide behind the face of a man who never lied. Just like the fact that you just built up this long George Washington joke, and it's just. It's it's so wild. It's beautiful. And, um, uh, watching that, um, it came from Kuchar documentary on YouTube. The one, yeah. the link that you sent me. It's an edited version. Like the the tits are blurred out. Like I knew that there would be uh, like yeah. tits and stuff in his movies, but I only yeah watching that. It, they made it seem more. Um, I don't know. Not. Not childlike, but it just seemed a little more like Vincent Price hour. Like oh, his yeah. films, like through that documentary. I didn't. I only got forty minutes through the documentary, so maybe it gets a little crazier. I mean, they didn't touch on Thundercrack. So going into this movie, that's what I thought I was getting. Yeah. And then once like all the hardcore shit started breaking out, I was like, wait. Oh well, yeah, earlier I actually forgot. Like right before all, everyone else shows up at the house, you also have an extended bath scene uh, where she has to wash all the puke off the woman, and then she's all naked, and they basically just rub her off. Too. Yeah. So I forgot. There's that. There's yeah, that. that was yeah. And it was interesting, uh, Marion, the actress that's the older lady in the movie, the classic Butterface. Like, oh, yeah. her he- her face looks, she's in her 40s in this movie, I guess, but she looks much older from the neck up and doesn't look very attractive. Takes off the those clothes. The makeup doesn't help either. The makeup does not help. doesn't do any favors. But rock and bod, I must say. Yeah. Probably the best body in the whole movie. I think they even comment on that. That's one of the things in this movie that is really funny. It's kind of like when the woman's like, uh, what's wrong with your hair and what... There will be like lucid moments where the characters in the movie are, you know, almost like speaking like what's on your mind. Yes. So I think there's even, you know, one of the guys is like, hey, like nice tits for a woman your age. Yeah. You know, or whatever. Uh, and it's really funny. But yeah, so then there's like a whole other scene where the women end up in the, the kitchen and they have the, the cucumber and she's just, the woman's trying to eat the cucumber that's been, Marion's been like fucking herself with. So this is. Gross! Like you need to throw this away. She buys a whole garbage can full of. Okay, so you're gonna, you're gonna love this yeah. little fact. So the woman who finds the the peeled cucumber and eats it, she's like the sassy bitchy girl in the yeah. movie. Apparently, she was like a hardcore alcoholic, and so much so that she would be drunk all the time during filming. And even the last few days of shooting, she was so drunk that they couldn't even get her to like say her lines so they just propped her up <laughs> and so everybody was sick and tired of her and they hated her anyway so the cucumber scene was really the cucumber used in her pussy <laughs> and everybody had the joke and nobody told her that she was actually eating the cucumber that went inside of her, the Marion that's so amazing and I guess uh, <laughs> yes which is so great and then uh, I keep forgetting the guy who directed this film Kurt. Uh, Kurt yeah yeah Kurt I guess was laughing so hard he couldn't put his eye through the lens of the camera so he just stood back and like silently laughed his ass off while that scene was shot I thought that that was like single handedly the best bit of trivia I've ever found on IMDb oh, in my yeah. life that is amazing oh my god and that's the other thing about this movie is you know with exploitation films or sexploitation whatever I know that it some a lot of it can't doesn't age well because it's usually like exploiting just women and it's like look what they these like pig men directors did to these everybody gets theirs like uh, guys have sex with guys guys do crazy shit to themselves like 
men on women, women on men, women on women. It's like every kind of sex in this movie, so everybody's exploited in it's every kind of way. It's like uh, David Cronenberg's Crash. <laughs> yeah. Where like all the characters eventually will fuck each other. Yeah, it's like if if you're gay, you can you'll love it. And yeah, if you're straight, are, you'll love it. And if you're dynamite bodies. And they have like that whole like just seventies porn star thing going on which yeah. I've always been a fan of so I'm just like yeah all these guys everyone just has that like cocaine body <laughs> yeah it's it's a good look yeah <laughs> I'm into it um, but yeah god there's just so much like you end up because this movie being so long they, they go into like everyone's stories and then you have the uh, the guy who you know is the widow widower and you know, you get his whole story with he's like trying to hook up with this woman, but he's just like, I can't, you know, be with a woman because I always see their underwear and it reminds me of my ex wife and just all this stuff. And so they're trying to work past all their issues. And then you have. I love the, the lines like, quit talking like the ghost of my dead wife. Yes. We posted it on our Instagram <laughs> uh, page. If you've seen it, that's from this. That is it. Um, I also like when they were like swapping stories with each other, just like. Uh, random like we the lily white butt girl I was just like well I got a red butt because I sat in a cactus <laughs> yeah. and then um, oh, yeah, it's the soul bearing yeah and they're all like and then yeah. yeah Kuchar is just like oh yeah cool you sat in a cactus well one time I fucked a gorilla <laughs> just like upping the Annie oh yeah cause yeah he finally shows up like after so long mm-hmm. and then yeah he has this whole deal where the the animals are all oh, yeah cause <clears throat> oh my gosh so <laughs> the animals in the storm from the circus that he's driving with, um, they are all loose. Now you even see like shadows of an elephant outside. Uh, we haven't really also talked about <clears throat> one of the elements of this movie is the look of it. Um, it's obviously shot like you know sixteen millimeter. Um, you know it's definitely pretty rough. The sound is definitely pretty rough, but the lighting is so cool. It's very like classical, like. Uh, you know, like high key, like like Hollywood lighting. It's very dramatic, and it just uh, there's all these like really cool stuff they use like uh, dissolves and superimpositions. So you'll see like crazy stuff. So even in his flashback, <clears throat> you'll see all these like almost like split screens, just different. You know, you see like the people. There's just a lot of like kind of really inventive camera use in this movie. Uh, that you wouldn't expect in this movie, um, just because everything else is really kind of rough around the edges. The biggest thing for this movie, which is really a shame because of the dialogue, is that the sound really isn't very good. Yeah. And so like, yeah, there will be like lines that you kind of like, you know, you kind of can't hear. There's stuff like well, the score was too loud, and yeah. I mean the score. Bravo to the guy who did it. Like yeah. he's an amazing piano player, and to fill like 160 minutes of just, <laughs> you know piano shit and then also like sometimes they would incorporate weird sounds and he would kind of go off and do his little like ooh thing which is pretty rad and some of it's really funny too like even when he kind of Mickey Mouses like uh, in the scene when the guy's like uh, I think sticking the uh, the dildo on his ass mm-hmm. and you get the little like slide whistle yeah you know and the little, like, <laughs> just like there's even a part yeah. where uh, the, uh, uh, one of the sex scenes he's playing boogie woogie <laughs> Like you're like, oh okay. Um, what a great score! And it's just this fucking movie. Uh, the uh, also the when they're fucking, they use um, those old school like uh, toothpaste bottles of KY jelly. Oh yeah. And when I worked construction, I used to have to 
grease forklifts, and it looked as greasy as the grease I would Ugh. grease the forklifts with. Jesus. It's so gross. And also, like, you know, the using those cameras and, like, the way the lighting is, and it's the 70s, and it's black and white, so it looks just dirtier anyway. Yeah. But that, when they were, like, they are hairy-ass hairy everything just having that greasy grease shit all over their privates oh yeah so dirty looking and then you can also see like it must have been so hot in that room because they're sweating so much and all the cocaine and oh yeah else they're on yeah not really not the sexiest of sexy but the most interesting or it's weird because we you recommended at the beginning of this podcast like watch this movie with a friend <laughs> which is funny <laughs> and then also just be as stoned or as fucked up as you possibly could be so we saved this movie when we were doing this marathon last night for last, and we were, you know, three sheets to the wind by then, mm-hmm. and like a couple edibles deep, so it was fun and crazy watching the movie like that, but then to fall asleep and not finish it, and then wake up sober and watch <laughs> the final 20 minutes, it's a completely different movie. <laughs> it's a completely different experience. Oh, yeah. I recommend the latter. Yeah. Oh, my God. The other thing with this movie, so there's a couple like weird backstories, too. So there's a uh, a hidden room that's locked that people are like, what's going on? And there's all this mystery about the woman's son, who she says just doesn't exist. I that, forgot about that, yeah. That comes in later. And then you also have a, a crazy scene right around this point when um, they go down to the basement. I think people are like down there to fuck or something. And they realize all these pickle jars are full of uh, a person. <laughs> and uh. then you realize that she's pickled her husband. So her husband died like 15 years earlier, and then she's pickled him, and then you have the crazy locked room. I totally forgot about that just, part. We later, at the, by the end of the movie, they finally open, and then you find that it's her son, and he has enormous, like, dragging on the ground balls. And she tells a little story how he went to Borneo to go find sexual artifacts, and he ended up getting some sort of crazy jungle disease, and this grew his balls so big <laughs> that it... Destroyed his life and he doesn't exist. <laughs> Thundercrack. <laughs> Thundercrack. Um, and then, yeah, we also end up getting to a point where um, George George's character is finally going to marry the gorilla. Mm-hmm. And so they all start getting dressed up and preparing for a wedding. Because, I mean, this is like a soap opera, so you have to have all of these... These big scenes, but he's wearing the wedding dress. Yeah, um, and it's just like so. Then they end up like, yeah, I guess consummating the marriage. He starts telling her all these stories about how, you know, she's been she's whittled away. She's a tiny little gorilla because yeah, everyone's been abusing her and sucking the life out of her. But he's go- he's going to uh, he wants her to get fat because with their baby, and he's going to knock her up so they can have the first of the superhumans. <laughs> uh, so yeah, there's that, and the performance from Kuchar uh, doing the finding out the a little more information about this film. He didn't know he was going to be in this movie until um, almost when they started. It's because uh, I believe it's because he was the only one that would. Do both dudes and chicks. Oh, so yeah. he's just like, all right, fuck, I'll do it. And um, apparently, he was doing so much of the other stuff in the film, like I'm sure the lighting and the, like you said, the makeup and probably the directing at some yeah. points, that he didn't have time to learn his dialogue too. So that's why he gives a manic performance because he didn't even know his own lines really. And it's a, such a cool performance. Like when he 
comes into the movie and then leaves for an hour and a half and then comes back, you know it's him. You can distinguish that mustache from the others. Oh, yeah. I like, cool. I like him as an actor. Yeah, and there are a lot of little things in this movie, too, where his stamp is all over it. Like, even a lot of the art uh, on the walls, you know, you'll see a lot of his kind of comic illustrations. Um, and even some of the crazy sets. Like, there's stuff where... Um, Kind of like silent film style, or even you know, like Mario Bava, where there'll be like uh, maquettes and stuff. Where even of the the old house, you'll see that kind of like illustrated in this backlit with like a crazy fake storm. Probably like they probably put the image in front of maybe like a fish tank and swirled stuff around to make the storm. And then um, also in his flashback of the circus, you see this really cool illustrated circus that he's like, um, you know, existing in. There's a lot of like cool little things like that. It's kind of one of the things with this movie is rough and is kind of uh, unapproachable as it might seem at first. I think there's so much, so much, everything going on, there's so much detail that somehow, is, even as long as it is, um, it's still kind of captivating. Or you're like, oh, that's crazy. It just never, it, it never gets dull. No. For me at least. I was all in, and we started watching this movie late, and it was like 5.30 in the morning when we finally called it quits. And I don't think it was because of the movie, it was because we were it so... It was 5.30 in the morning. It was 5.30 yeah. in the morning, and we were so fucked up. <laughs> it's just like, you can only last so long. Uh, yeah, it's it's very cool two hours and a half. And yeah, I didn't yeah. know uh, an experimental film can run that long, and I don't know if there are many that are running that long. I mean, probably not like with this sort of narrative. I mean, there's some that go on for Ever. hours and hours. And, um, I mean, there, yeah, there's some like super, but more like, uh, conceptual, you know, formalist type things, but not something that is normally like as narrative as this. Uh, so this is really, this is really pretty long. Um, but it just adds to that epic element of it. And it is funny, like just the weird mix of things that it has, like just the, the amount of hardcore sex in it, yeah, just seems so crazy. And after a while, you kind of like, you kind of accept this insane world that you're just in, where it's like, oh, okay, yeah, this is gonna happen now, yeah. And now this guy is gonna like fuck this other dude in the ass. And but they also act during the scenes. Like there's the other scene when the girl's sucking his dick, and just like, but then like he's just reciting dialogue, and then she takes his dick out of her mouth. She says her lines. Puts the dick back in her mouth, and these are a long cut, so it's not even like they're just editing it. Yeah. So that you're just like, no, it's like, okay, so this is it. Know your lines. Uh, suck his dick and keep him hard, and then uh, you know, it's just it's it's insane. I love the two dudes that bone, and then afterwards they shake hands and they're like, safe travels. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, what? It's the guy. He's just like, it's the the you know the guy that tries to say, I just I always. Like give it, I don't take it. But then he finally takes it. But then when he like, because somehow like that was his way of trying to get out. I think he was gonna try to let him get out. Uh, if he fucked him in the ass, then he'd let him go take the banana truck. Or I don't know. I was getting confused <laughs> on that point. But then the woman who wants to be with him, she's like, "What? You know, what's going on? You just take it in the ass." And he's like, "It's my passport." And she's like, "If that's your passport, then maybe you don't need to take me." But they have. Uh, it's just yeah. I don't know. The we can talk. Like, let's talk money. Oh um, yeah. So the actors were paid one hundred dollars a day for the sex scenes and fifty dollars a day for the talking scenes. Uh, this movie was shot for nine thousand dollars. 
Apparently, after it was all said and done, I'm sure making the actual prints, maybe promoting it, it was more like and paying the people out. It was forty grand. No, no idea what it grossed. Hopefully, it got its money back. I'm sure it did. They traveled with this movie a lot. They toured with it. Um, the director, uh, Kurt McDowell, was so broke that by the time this movie premiered at the Roxy Theater, he was actually working as a janitor there. Oh, my God. Yeah. And uh, I also looked up George Kuchar because he's such a prolific uh, director. Care to take a guess, at least through IMDb's numbers, how many movies he's directed? Oh, my God. I have no clue. I mean, I'll, I'll just put out, like, you know, 300. Hey, you're close. On IMDb, 242. Wow. Yeah, it's... And how many of his movies have you seen? I mean, I've seen like a handful. I've seen um, a bunch of the shorts, um, you know, like The Craven Sluck and Hold Me While I'm Naked and Sense of the Flesh of Poids. I guess that's Mike, but he's George's in it. Um, yeah, or like I, an actress. There's a bunch of them I've seen, but yeah, they're, I know there are just tons and tons that I haven't seen. Uh, I really would hope that because um, there's been like you know a little more interest in him and these movies uh, so I, I would love to see someone actually compile them I don't know how you would do it rights wise or who would you know who holds yeah. them but I, a lot of these things will kind of pop up online you'll see them you know, pop up on YouTube um, and there are prints I think probably places like the Academy Film Archive have a lot of existing prints and I'm sure a lot of the you know those types of places. The MoMA probably even has some. Um, but yeah, I would love to see them all kind of put together so that you could really watch, yeah, just their films. Because they're so crazy, but they're also just so kind of lovely and funny and wonderful. They have good heart. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I hope this uh, podcast, this specific episode, does as well as the Emmanuel one did. This is, you were saying before we started that this was on par with the craziness of Emmanuel, and I have to agree. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely much more low budget and um, grimy, but oh yeah, it's on the same crazy level. Well, not, the, this movie is even crazier. I mean, it's that... Emmanuel in America is so crazy, but it's obviously... Because it's like Joe D'Amato, like, it is an exploitation movie. Like, that is a movie that is... You know, they're trying to get, you know, seats in butts. Uh, this movie... It it seems much more of a passion project where these people are just crazy <laughs> yeah. and they're like, okay, we can we can make this thing happen, and they just throw everything in the kitchen sink at this this crazy. I'm sure it's fun for me to watch, so I imagine it must have. You know, I'm hoping that they had fun making it at least sometimes, um, but they just throw so much into this that it just it's. It's kind of a different experience, but it is also insane and wonderful. I, yeah, it's some kind of wonderful. <laughs> that's for sure. All right, well, that'll wrap up Thundercrack. What do you know? It only took 47 minutes to talk about it, not two hours and 30. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm sure if we could have like possibly taken better notes, there'd be even more shit we could have knocked in. But it was like after a certain point, you're just like, you just need to roll with it. And my, I mean, I'm barely legible anyway when I do take notes and I was looking at just my penmanship from the night before <laughs> like holy fuck you can gauge your inebriated self by the your note taking the day after when oh, you yeah. sober up and I was on one last night 
And I feel like I'm drunk all over again just talking about this movie. Oh, yeah. Well, we'll uh, conclude the Pride Month uh, next time around. So until then, let's just keep it purely casual. Bye.